guy. Hi guys and welcome back to the Half Strong Very Pretty podcast. Uh, today we have the first coach who joined SK Coaching alongside me. Um, he's a guy I've known for about 10 years uh, and worked alongside him for uh, pretty much that entire time. Um, his name's Luke and he's been in the industry too long. Way too long, um, I think about 20 years. So I'm gonna pass you over to him and let him introduce himself, sort of where he worked, who he's worked with, um, and go from there. Well, where to start? Um, I suppose started qualified uh, as a trainer, 2000, November 2001. Oh. I don't know when you were, um, how, how old were you then? 11. Oh, 11, yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, uh, the very ripe age of, I suppose, 19. Um, and uh, yeah, in Kent, in a nice golf club. And uh, I suppose from there, PTing took me from there a few years, then uh, decided to travel the world and um, worked as fortunate enough to work in Australia. Uh, that's when I first started self-employed PT. And, um, and that was a, a really big, great experience. And then uh, really moved into London PTing from there. So uh, Baker Street, obviously, where we where we first started working uh, in fitness first mm. back in the day, ten years ago, and that was about two thousand eight, two thousand ten uh, when I started there. Two thousand eight, oh, okay. I started there, um, and yeah, I've been fortunate to work with a whole host of people that um, kind of yeah, because a high end clientele go through that gym, and then mm. a part of London, um, I was able to train uh, royal family from kind of uh, the Middle East and able to travel over there and train them and really, yeah, work from there. Um, personal training with COVID when it hit, it really hit the industry quite badly, didn't it? And, and, yeah. and everybody um, had to sort of, I think, think on their feet and react and do do different things. And I took everything online there. So I, I was fortunate enough to keep quite a few clients and uh, and pick up a few more one-to-one sort of Zoom clients, face FaceTime clients, that kind of thing. Um, and then we we got into working a bit closer together with the mm. the online coaching uh, side of things. Cool. So um, the reason the reason I first brought Luke on was um, when sort of I've I've said before in my podcast when when you start in the industry you think you know everything and then you quickly realise you know nothing uh, and then so it was I, I started um, I'd, I'd been doing my bodybuilding came over to Baker Street and thought if I'm honest. I walked in on the first day and I saw all these guys. I was like, "These guys haven't got a clue," including Luke, because I thought I knew. <laughs> I thought I knew everything. Um, very quickly, I realised I know nothing. Uh, and Luke was actually someone I always looked up to um, when when working there. Um, and so it was uh, it was very interesting, sort of learning from him over the years um, and then together. And now we part of uh, the work we do together. We do a lot of courses together. And we're studying together and we're currently doing our nutrition degree together so um we've worked very very closely alongside each other and that's why i decided um to bring him on as as the first coach he's also very very good um i i feel when it comes to programming his clients um so i wanted to ask a little bit more about i mean predominantly people listening to this um from the thousands, if not millions, of people who listen to this yeah. around the world um, <laughs> are about 28 to 40 year old guys. There are females as well, um, and there are people outside those brackets, um, age brackets, but predominantly 
Uh, you don't even fit in those age brackets, do you? I think I'm probably outside that age bracket now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't listen then. Um, but outside, of, of course, there are people outside of that, but that's a predominant market. So let's say you were to take somebody who was looking to, typically they've trained, so there's some level of history there, but yeah. taking them, they want to grow some muscle, but also get in shape, um, like as in stay, stay lean. That's the predominant sort of yeah. person we have. How would you start it in terms of what, what are the main considerations you would look at start from, from the off? I think uh, with me, as you know, I'm quite methodical in, in what I do in every aspect. Uh, I never like to put guesswork into anything. So uh, obviously there's the initial assessment in, in there. If you're talking gym-based stuff, regardless of the nutrition side of things to start off with, mm. um, gym-based stuff, I would have a look at their, their movement assessments to see if there's anything that really stands out and they're lacking in or they need specific work on. There is a general framework, so if you want to, um, let's say if it's building muscle, there's a general framework, but you'd have to integrate the, the postural needs in there. Uh, obviously, you never want to be injuring people when you're, <laughs> when you're building, when you're programming. So you need to look at how to get them into, get their body working properly and working through a full range of motion. Um, and, um, and then just really looking at their, um, how frequently they, they're able to dedicate to the gym, how much time you've got to work it around their lifestyle um, and then and build it in from there really. Okay, and then in terms of um, sets and reps, because I think this is something I get asked time and time again. Um, and typically people think the, the more they do, the more muscle they're gonna gain. Let's say you're starting with someone who has somewhat of a, of a background in history, but sort of goes a couple of times a week, doesn't follow a particular rigid program or anything like that. So they're somewhat of a beginner um, in terms of training age rather than they've never been to a gym. Uh, what sort of, let's start with sets. Yeah. Where would you go with that? I would say you look at, uh, with, with my sort of programming, I like to get back to each muscle group they're training. If you're looking for hypertrophy, you need to be hitting a, um, a certain amount of sets per week and have the and I feel like the frequency is quite an important thing so I like to get back to each person's uh, each muscle group let's say within three to five days mm -hmm. so rather than having the old school kind of uh, bodybuilding split of a chest day a back day a leg day a shoulder day an arm day mm. um, <clears throat> you typically won't get back to the same muscle group within with that would be probably seven days and if you missed any sessions it could it could be longer so then you wouldn't be essentially getting the stimulation on that muscle group frequently enough. So the way I set things up is that the, it would be programmed so you, you'd get back to each muscle group within three to five days, so it's getting regular attention. Um, Set-wise, typically per workout between eight, it depends on the experience, between eight to 12 sets per, per muscle group uh, in, a, in a specific workout. So let's say you, you started a week with something like a push and a pull, like a chest and a back day. Mm -hmm. You would typically then be finishing that. If you worked four days a week, trained four days a week, you'd typically be getting back to that same workout by the end of the week. Yeah. So let's say you have eight to, to eight to 12 sets in that workout mm -hmm. per muscle group, you'd then be getting that at the end of the week as well. So um, every every fifth day. So you'd be, you'd be getting quite a few, let's just say maybe in the seven day period, anything from kind of, let's say 16 to 20 sets on that muscle group. Okay. Rather than let's say you had a, if you, if you left that longer, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be getting as much exposure to that, to that area. And then when would you look to either decrease or increase that in terms of something obviously we look at 
is um, on their check-ins is basically how how they're functioning, how they're recovering. So we're looking at the sleep, their you know gut health, all these different markers that take into account basically stress. Which, Strength, yeah, I mean, strength and fatigue and illness, this kind of thing. Typically, I'd bring a, a volume of work deload in every every fourth um, workout of each, let's say, try to, try to exit uh, each workout, like a chest in the back, a legs or a shoulders, arms. Every fourth, um, fourth workout, I'd drop the total sets of that workout by about 30%. Mm-hmm. And that, that, would, that would last for essentially, yeah, so uh, a workout one, a workout two, a workout three, and then when we when we come on to then bring the volume back up after the fourth, so in, interest in that because I would pers- I personally differ in that I start to deload some when I see things start not going exactly how I want. Obviously, we all have anomaly weeks in terms of I'm not I don't care if your weights didn't go up for one week or whatever. But if weights aren't going up or they or they in, fer- in fact worse going down, you know if sleeps terrible guts yeah. are terrible all those things that's when i would so i for me personally i tend not to diet breaks are similar but slightly different but i would differ to that in that yeah i, I wouldn't do it until i needed to rather than a, a planned one why 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 do you like it so i suppose it, yeah it's, it rather than it being reactive to the uh cell metrics it would be mm. almost a bit more a bit more kind of naturally brought into there so you'd, you'd definitely have it every let's say every three weeks um, I suppose both ways are effective in the way that you, you're bringing a, a rest into there. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. And then in terms of um, rep ranges, for me, this is a, a fairly simple one when it comes to hypertrophy. So people growing muscle for uh, those who don't know what hypertrophy is. Um, but let's have you let's have your take on it, and then I'll tell you. So I mean, you can. There's um, obviously there's multi- multiple different schools of thought on this. Um, typically the hypertrophy rep range is between 8 and 12 reps mm-hmm. um, and when you're looking at time under tension uh, so the time the muscle's working for per set you're looking for between 40 to 60, 70 seconds mm-hmm. um, So it, just just to explain that um, if you don't mind me interrupting yeah. so a lot of the time I will write with tempo um, but a lot of people haven't really heard of that or, or used it before so when when we're looking at rep ranges, and then Luke said about 40 to 60 seconds, it's so if, if obviously you're doing 10 reps, that's each rep is six seconds. So rather than um, rushing through the movement, um, there, there's a camera so they can see, I was just thinking something here, yeah. Run, rushing through the movement, movement and just hitting 10 reps. However, it is about how long that set takes rather than the, the number. So the number is somewhat a byproduct of the time, right? It's a way of it's a way of progressing it. Say you want that ten reps mm-hmm. to last, well, to last between forty to sixty seconds. So, starting off, you could you could you could make that set last forty seconds, mm-hmm. and you'd have something like a three o one o tempo. So, yep. three seconds down on the bench press, zero seconds rest at the bottom, one second up. Yep. Um, and the way you could progress that movement and uh, progress to m- progress that exercise to make it harder is by slowly increasing that tempo. Making the, making the the time and the tension longer, yep. you could bring intraset pauses in there. So you could take three seconds down, one second pause at the bottom, mm. and then two seconds up would then take that time for that set up to make it a lot harder. Yeah, would be another variable. Agreed. So then, where? Because when I asked the question about reps, a lot of the a lot of the data now and a lot of sort of the the top coaches who I who I look at 
I I being one of them, um, they say like there's not much difference in terms of it's, it's it's more about intensity than the actual number itself of reps. So uh, how hard you can push that set. So a lot of people um, obviously follow um, Jordan Peters. Uh, that's yeah, I think Jordan yeah. Peterson, Jordan Peters, right? Um, who who listen to this or other other bodybuilding coaches, and or even like the great you know Dorian Yates, where he might do like two sets and six reps, and they're like, oh yeah, but he's trying to get bigger or whatever. Um, but it's it's a lot about in how intense you can push yourself and how close to failure and how hard it's you can to go total more volume, than volume, surely, because um, Kristen Thibodeau don't need to say. Yeah, yeah. He listens to this regularly, actually. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, he was saying his biggest growth came from when he was doing one, one and two rep sets, but wow. he would do a huge amount of volume. Yeah. So if you've got two or three hours to spend in the gym, obviously when you're working at low reps like that, because it's much more of a neural engagement, mm. if you want to be working those super high threshold muscle fibers, you need to be having much longer rest. Um, to be active, to be to be effectively working those muscle those uh, muscle fibers. That's um, so you. Oh, go on. You would just have to spend so much more time in the gym. Yeah. So if you're looking for a, the average person that's not necessarily got two or three hours a day uh, yeah. and has got a family, you're going to want something a bit more. It's going to work with your time schedule. So let's say, I feel like you should be able to get an effective workout within the hour. You shouldn't need to spend more than it. That's more than an hour in the gym. Um, so yeah. I think re recoverability on that is a massive one as well in that um, those those guys for a lot of people following this who who don't know um, are on steroids which helps recovery um, and they're very open it's not me being accusatory it's a very open world um, and their ability to recover from such uh, intense sets and and very low reps and incredibly heavy weights is much much better than your natural lifter, so I think that's a massive factor as well. Well, yeah, but you remember you also get the, um, the high rate of injuries in <laughs> tendons, true. for example, like bicep tendons snapping. Something. Yeah, because tendons being five times longer to recover than muscle itself. Um, I, I think on top of that, if you look at, I, I mean, I, I chose Dorian and uh, Jordan, who, from the stuff I've seen, obviously I've never trained with them. Um, the stuff I've seen, they can push themselves probably harder than anyone. Out. anyone who's listening to this yeah. I would say so I think the what they're getting from one or two reps is going to be far greater than you or I or anybody listening to this could probably get from one or two sets yeah so I think that's um that's massive important one of the things you touched on was rest times yeah um, before how do you because I, I I think that's probably probably the least understood part when it comes to programming I think a lot of people know strength tends to be lower reps and then hypertrophy i think a lot of people probably know somewhere 8 to 12 maybe up to 15. um where do how do you program rest and how do you alter it to make a progression it depends whether i'm doing single sets or i'll be supersetting mm -hmm. typically for a hypertrophy rep range which would be your 8 to 12 reps mm -hmm. you'd go from that roughly um you'd want, let's say, around about two minutes rest if you're going to do a single set. Let's say I'm doing a chest press for um, 10 reps. Probably mm -hmm. want around about two minute rest Got the time. 20s out yeah. for 20 kilos. <laughs> if I was going to superset that with a, a push and a pull movement, let's just yeah. say I'm going to do a row and a press, 
I'll typically half the rest time on that. So I'll do a chest press, rest a minute, then do the, the back exercise, then rest a minute, then back to the chest. So if you're supersetting, I would half the rest times. Why, I obviously know why that is, why, why explain to the listener of your, why would you, why would you change that? Uh, because if I had the two, let's say the two minute rest, it would be, it would be a far more, you, you, I feel like with hypertrophy, you don't want a complete recovery. You want an incomplete recovery mm-hmm. with, um, with hypertrophy work. Um, and that's what that would create essentially if you're uh, only having this, if you're having uh, a push movement when you're working the pull, your your push movement is getting a bit more of a rest, is getting the rest essentially. That, that's that's what I was going for there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I was uh, I was trying to touch on. Yeah. Um, so okay, so now we've got. Uh, and they say got, with the push pull movement, mm-hmm. that the benefit of doing that is is a greater motor unit activation. Okay, so and explain explain that in layman's terms. Um, you will recruit more contractile fibre in the in the muscle. There we go. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so now we've got your uh, sets, reps, rest, um, and volume across across the week. Do you reckon we should dive into diet, or do you want diet, to? I think diet diet's an essential thing with um, when you're look, when you're aiming to build muscle. It's making sure you're getting enough. Uh, protein in your diet and also uh, they say with the muscle protein synthesis having enough frequency throughout the day mm. of, of feedings of, of protein because yep. um, every time your body essentially receives protein muscle protein synthesis the amount of, amount of muscle you can grow the, the body's production of muscle tissue will increase when you when you intake, intake protein rather than let's say eating a massive lump of your protein at the end of the day so eating all your protein in one meal it's been shown to be more effective to have it throughout the day. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. Um, and then in terms of um, how how would let's start with let's break them all not massively into them all I guess pr- protein predominantly protein when you're tr- looking to build tissue. So let, let's call, let's call it a bulk. I don't I really don't like that word. I think just because of the fitness modeling days where it's basically I just binge eat. yeah basically yeah. Bulk, bulk bulk refers to binge eat and yeah. cut refers to restrict yeah. up to an unhealthy like, point yeah <laughs> um but it's just it's just easier let's call it a bulk so uh how would protein how do you differ protein for people in terms of percentages would you would you change anything at all I typically keep the whether it be a build or protein would stay pretty similar to their body weight. So it would be, I think it's with it, if you're looking for a strength athlete, mm-hmm. anywhere between 1.7, I think 1.8 to 2.7 grams per yeah. kilo of body weight. Yeah. So a 100 kilo guy, you're going to be around about anywhere, <laughs> which is you, yeah. isn't it? Uh, anywhere a between, uh, let's say 100, 180 grams, 190 grams up to a shed load. Yeah, shed um, load. I think the most, the most I've consistently eaten for a long period of time was 300 grams a day. I mean, that to me, <laughs> it comes down to appetite. That to, for me would be inhuman. To, to explain that in chicken, yeah. um, that's a kilo of chicken every day. Every single day, a lot of, chicken a breast. Lot of chicken there. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't a great time. I didn't feel amazing from it. So now I sit about two forty, two fifty. But for me, I do. I, I slightly increase it when someone is trying to drop body fat, um, just to keep satiety up. Um, Protein is incredibly filling. 
So if you think of trying to, if you think, trying to think of uh, eating half a kilo of chicken a day, it's going to be incredibly hard for most people. Whereas if you were to do the same calories in chocolate, you're not gonna get very full from it. So protein goes up from, I would say, when you drop body fat um, and then not goes goes down, but goes back to slightly less. Uh, obviously it does go down, but it doesn't, you don't need to massively decrease it. It just helps because there's gonna be, when you're growing, there's gonna be a lot of other calories. So carbohydrates, for example, yeah how would you apply that to someone who's or actually let's go t total calories total calories total. Well, first of all uh you know, established goal yes yeah. what is the goal if it's going to be uh if it's going to be dropping body fat work mm -hmm. out the bmr um there's the the harris benedict uh formula you can use or the the um the mac met formula which the mm. easiest one is to times your body weight in kilos if you're a man by 24 if you're a woman by 22 yeah that gives you your basal metabolic rate which and, is uh which is the amount of calories that you would burn at at kind of how, how you got things like your brain your lungs your keep your body alive basically yeah. how many calories it takes to keep your body alive without any exercise or activity mm -hmm. then establish their physical activity level so if you like me now I'm not a gym trainer anymore in, a, in, a, in an actual facility. I sit at my kitchen table. Um, I would multiply my that BMR by a factor of let's say 1.2 because yeah. I'm quite inactive. If I'm going to be, if I was someone who worked on a building site, for example, very active throughout the day, I'd probably times that BMR by a factor of say 1.7, 1.8, yeah. and it would bring out a number. So you've got your BMR. Then you've got your physical activity level, which is your yeah, activity throughout the day. Um, and then you can work out on the days you're exercising um, how many calories it would take for your, your general exercise. And you can add that onto the top of that as well. So I think for me, I'm I'm sitting at around my, my basal metabolic rate and my physical activity level. I'm, I'm 78 kilos. So I'm sitting around about two 2,200 calories, basically, um, which is a small amount compared to yourself, sir. But um, if I'm then exercising, I do a lot of running. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of obstacles, obstacle course racing and training for that. So last weekend I did a 27K run. It's <laughs> mad. <laughs> Which is As you do. Yeah. Um, but I'll be, I'll be quite, constant, yeah, quite consistently doing those higher calorie exertions, mm -hmm. which I would then up my amount of carbs quite a lot. I'm just laughing because... Just 27k run, did you say? Yeah. This morning, I I was <laughs> I picked up a picked up a 110 kilo keg, ran it 15 meters, <laughs> picked up some far, farmer's handles, uh, which are I think 115 per hand, ran them 15 meters, and then I needed like a five minute rest. <laughs> I was on the floor, <laughs> gassed, just to think of a 27k run is 27, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, is uh, is yeah impressive. Um, but going back to that then carbohydrate allow allowance um but carbohydrate intake um for for you on those on those running days must be massive yeah i think i worked out um that it was it was around about four thousand four thousand three hundred calories another two thousand calories of carbohydrates i really need needed from that uh, the way i did that is i found out my uh worked out my mets you can there's, there's a few websites mets are metabolic equivalents mm -hmm. 
Um, so they are kind of, uh, they've done studies on, on multiple people doing everyday activities and link them up to a kind of uh, machinery to work out their metabolic rate and how much an activity would cost you uh, in, in calories essentially. Um, so I think at the pace I was running, it was a, a metabolic equivalent of something like eight or 8.2 or whatever. Um, and that would be for that, for my body weight, or times that, that met, that number <clears throat> 8.2 by my weight in kilos. And that for would give me um, the amount of calories that that would cost me in an hour of, um, an hour of that specific exercise. I'm just looking here because you've sent it to me. I normally don't have my phone with me when I do this because... The uh, a website to go on, by the way, for that um, we're not sponsored by them. It just I know it was on our chat is golf as in the sport golf dot p r o c o n dot org. So for anyone who wants to um, work that out as to how many extra calories they would need for something like if they're going for a long cycle or a run or whatever that may be, um, that's a really really good one to be looking at, and then you can just work out uh, your numbers from there. Obviously. Um, if you want any help with that, you can, can put just... more information on on a link. You probably put another. Have you put any links to that? Yeah, I'll I'll turn this little uh, bit into a post actually, and then I can make a whole video on how to do it, etc. I think that'll yeah, probably be so. the easiest easiest way to do that. Okay, so um, so for just hypertrophy, then onto fats. So for so for muscle growth, um, fats. What what do you do with them? How do you structure them? Fats are obviously really important for hormonal production and, and every cell in the body, is, is its kind of membrane is made from fat. So it's something you wouldn't want to just completely disregard. Mm -hmm. It's got a really important role in the body. Um, but when it comes down to, let's say, uh, hypertrophy, I feel protein and carbohydrates. Carbohydrates for uh, giving you enough energy mm -hmm. to build muscle and to train. Protein to actually build the actual physical structure of your body, the uh, amino acids to build a muscle. Fats I typically put down as a least important. I would normally take in around about say thirty thirty percent of my diet from about fat, but I don't really manipulate it too much. I I I typically actually when someone is trying to grow, I take it right down to twenty percent because it's you just need to sort of cover the essentials. Uh, and Make then, sure you're getting enough. There isn't yeah. actually any data to to say how much, mm. how many grams of fat per kilo of body weight you need. No. The, the research isn't in there. Um, numbers I've seen are anywhere between 0 0.5 to 1 gram per kilo of body weight um, mm. you should be taking in of, of your fat. Um, and another topic I wanted to discuss with you was um, mentality because, uh, again, one of the other reasons I wanted uh you to start working with me you were my first choice actually right. um <laughs> i knew loads of other people weren't around so i was just like oh, just you got your guy in the end. yeah um so um because obviously working together i've seen transformations that you've achieved within the gym because obviously we saw each other all the time yeah and one i was actually gonna leave this to the end but i was just it led, led me on quite nicely was um what trait or traits would you see amongst, because being very honest, not everyone who comes to us is gonna achieve a transformation, um, which I'll come back to in a sec, something you said, which I found very inspiring. Um, but not everyone who comes to us is gonna achieve a transformation. We can't physically force them to eat right, 
move right or even yeah. even get onto a piece of machinery you can't push them on so sadly um so what mental traits would you say that the the people who have achieved most success with you share i feel people that can put enough care enough about their diet and put enough attention into it some people are quite vague and actually just want to throw money at you and say yeah, I want this result done. That, but mm. that kind of almost handing the power over to you and not taking responsibilities to themselves. So people that are willing to be able to put the work into planning their meals properly, knowing and under wanting to understand kind of how many grams of protein, carbs, for example, they, they need to be eating and, and caring about that side of things on the diet um, and willing to willing to put the effort and work into it and not mm. just hand hand the power over to the person that's essentially given them the plan. Funny enough, um, I, I, without being an arrogant dick, I feel like I've my coaching skill set has vastly improved in the last three, four years. But I would say online, I have achieved better results than I really did in person. And I think a big part of that actually is because that person, you're not paying to see that person in person, not mm. seeing face to face you do have to take responsibility yeah. for your own action you're you're guided by your coach online and there's little bits you obviously you go back and forth to them but i found that uh yeah by by removing that sort of um hand holding yeah that people are actually getting better results that's not to say may, maybe looking back i should have done more of that in in person maybe we should should have had sit down sessions where we don't train where we just sit and people just do their own training yeah mm. uh, in the gym let's say you saw them for one session out of their four in a week mm. um potentially they may have been rather than the people you, you would see every single session in the gym when you didn't see them when you wave goodbye to them they would just be off doing their own thing and kind of uh, eating what they wanted and not listening yeah but people to take their own power i feel take, take the power and don't just hand it over to the trainer i feel achieve the most and um, one of the uh, when I when I said about you told me something and I found it quite inspiring was you said to me that there I can't remember the exact words but basically there is a there is a route or a road for everyone to achieve the yeah. transformation because sometimes I've I've personally I've felt it I've probably even said it I've definitely heard other coaches say it about that there's just no way to get this person to do it and like I said you I'm can't. just quite stubborn yeah. I feel like it's pe the people that have come to you every single person that's come to you has had a reason they've had a motivation mm. um, and they've been motivated enough to come to you uh, and then how can you find a way to help that person there's a combination of words you can say that will motivate someone you've got to find the right way of getting to them I feel agreed and something uh, I discussed on my last podcast and I'm, I'm going to be discussing with Josh shortly is around um, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Yeah. And something I found um, that I'm actually gonna be posting about tomorrow, um, although people won't be listening to this, so it'd be backwards, it but sense, whatever, yeah. um, is around that. And I found, as long as you've known me, I've got shredded, slightly overweight, shredded, slightly overweight, just continuously. Yeah. And it wasn't until I'd say the last few years a where I address my eating disorders um, but b where I stopped caring so much about 
the aesthetic side of it that actually I've stayed in shape for longer rather than just getting shredded and ballooning back so up. You enjoy enjoy the strongman element, mm. the physical numbers and results on that rather yeah. than it. I think because I feel the body composition thing can be a bit subjective sometimes. You look in the mirror and you're like, nah, have I made progress? And yeah. It's only supposed when you measure yourself and you see the photos in a long term, mm. you see the difference. But when you're looking at physical performance in the gym or strongman, you can say, okay, I lifted 112 kilos a hand. Probably more than that, a farmer's walk, like what? 200. <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. Per hand. <laughs> not, <laughs> not 200. Not yet. But you can see, you, you, you can. I mean, like me, I track everything. Yeah, of course. Insane detail on my, on my app because uh, all my all my spreadsheets because I like to see improvements from session to session and month to month you mm. want to see things improving sometimes it's you don't want it you don't want to leave it to it being a bit subjective and like am I making progress am I not with with someone who might be struggling you, you know we were saying about there, there's a certain way to motivate certain people if they're struggling and getting very bogged down with the aesthetic side of it and and maybe oh, I can't lose weight or I can't stick to the diet or whatever they would find difficult how would you sort of move them move them through that process obviously it's very person dependent um, and depending exactly what they're struggling with but let's say someone's struggling to stick to their diet how would you try and find would you would you focus again on diet or would you try and find like we just discussed away away from that enjoy your training start focusing on other things and then come back to it when you're a little less yeah, bogged so down yeah it's down to the individual isn't it really i always like you should always have a training focus regardless of mm. i think regardless of your if you if you want to be shredded or not i always feel like having that separate focus in the gym on numbers is quite an important thing mm. um but if they're struggling to let's say drop body fat you need to look at why really and analyze why they're struggling and what's happening so maybe just double down on are you actually hitting your calories or are you just getting completely exasperated with it are the targets wrong yeah you set a, a wrong sort of calorie goal um is it too aggressive is it you know uh, look at different lifestyles is it realistic what you're trying to set them um and it may be a case of taking a step back and bringing them onto us let's say a diet break or even yeah. stop them tracking completely and yeah. just focus on eating more unprocessed foods and uh, and just let them take the focus away from that and then bring it back at a later date. I think um, there around diet, diet breaks is an interesting one. So um, explain to explain to the listener why, why, why would someone have what there's obviously there's multiple reasons, but why would someone have a diet break? How would you implement it and when? I think if you're getting if you're getting quite uh, if you're not seeing progress and you're getting a bit exasperated with the with the diet and you're you're not enjoying your time, mm. I don't think um, you should really be set up. You, you you need to you need to eat to live. I would say is is the the majority of the the time in your year. Mm. Um, for me personally, I can't diet and be on a deficit for twelve months a year. Obviously, no. just waste away and you'd just be spinning the wheels and you wouldn't be dieting. <laughs> horrendous. So I personally feel there's probably two or three times in a year um, mm. where I'll have an eight to twelve week real attack at it. Yeah, and I feel like you're more you're more likely to be successful if you have those small periods throughout the year, and then bringing your diet back to let's say a maintenance mm -hmm. even an untracking kind of maintenance where you just eat just try and maintain as I said try and focus on unprocessed foods try and eat healthily um and also there's also periods of the year where it does just go completely to shit doesn't it it goes yeah. like let's say christmas, christmas. time i um 
the way I measure my progress is I do a, I'll do a navel measurement. I weigh myself and do a navel measurement, and mm. I know after let's say after Christmas it's a certain number, and then, <laughs> and then typically for say a summer holiday this year it's we go there's a stag in mobs happening. Um, Sadly, I'm, I'm not of, going on this. I'm probably going to want to be a bit more shredded for that. So um, so let's say probably in around about April. I'll mm. really sharpen it up. And it gives, kind of gives me that focus and that motivation. Um, but I just couldn't be... I'm not one of those people, I like my food too much, to be wanting to just be eat clean all mm-hmm. year round. So I'll definitely definitely wave throughout the year of going up and down. But I'll, there's, there's a, typically a window. And if I if I feel myself, I don't like feeling my belly over the jeans at all so much. So I would I would know naturally. I yeah. just kick into gear if that got to that point. Yeah, it's um, I I say it's a definite sign for me. But I say that. But I have I've definitely obviously struggled keeping it um, down a few times through the through t- a few times through the year. Um, not so much anymore. I definitely don't stay. I, again, I'd say now I just do sort of what I call push phases where if I want to get ripped for something, I'll just push harder. And if not, I basically just eat the same thing as I do when I'm trying to push, but with a 10% treats of yeah. like these, the Oreo grenade bars. It's, cutting, yeah, it's literally, it does come to just cutting out the, the unnecessarily, unnecessary, like no, normally I would uh, have a coffee on a Saturday morning, pan of chocolat on, oh. a, on a kind of, um, on a Friday night, I might get yeah get the curries in, get beer, whatever. I mean, it's still essentially. I don't say you can't have those. I don't want to demonise any foods, but mm. I would t- naturally just reduce all that down and then focus on. Really, we probably would be cutting my diet by about five hundred calories from what it is normally, and then I just start tracking it a bit more. The um, funny enough, in that I think it was, yeah, it was the first podcast we did, and I I put a clip this week on my Instagram of um, Nathan who was came on this podcast and basically said just don't eat like a prick which I thought was perfect in that the the curries and the beers and things like that yeah. when during those phases cut them out it's a part of life I think is to and have then, that yeah like to, to be the typical the typical personal trainer image is you must eat literally chicken and broccoli all year round mm. you know people think the personal trainers would Robot. kind of would yeah would eat that yeah, uh, all year round. Which you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not like that. I feel no. like I need. But that's that's exactly my point. So during your push phases, you cut. You, I personally would cut those things out, and then for the rest of the year, I leave them in. Yeah. Things I'm not. I'm not a curry and beer type person, but the things I like, I keep them in because otherwise, I just find myself. If I'm honest, I find myself actually there. There when I there there the times I've struggled I've, and I get fatter. If I don't have them in, because when I do, I go to town. Uh, whereas now, yeah. if I'm like, oh, in three weeks, I fancy going out for a pizza. I'll just go out for a pizza. And yeah. I'm just like, well, that was really nice. Move on. Whereas yeah. previously, it was like, right, I'll have probably, I mean, you've seen me eat uh, yeah. two, two to three pizzas <laughs> in a sitting or yeah. uh, or whatever I can get my hands on, really. So it's, um, it's de- definitely a way, I think, of having those times through the year. And anyone who's worked with me, these days will hear me say like unless you unless you are in a massive push phase at the end of sort of uh, a cut just go go have that have that enjoyment and just move on because it's the the problem is when people do it on a let's say friday and then all weekend they're like well ruined it now and they binge all weekend 
and that's where the, the issue is. The all-or-nothing mentality. Yeah. And that's a really hard one to address. Mm. Um, it is having that kind of better relationship with food, yeah. I think. Um, not, not demonizing food, allowing you to actually, you should you should be able to eat anything. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you've got an issue with control, that's when you need to start thinking uh, a bit more. I think... Um, in the next episode, we're going to be talking to uh, Josh, who's the other coach at uh, SK Coaching. And he, I think it's every day he includes like, he has like brownies or whatever. And it's just, yeah, like you said, it's about making sure you're not, you're not over feeding on them and you can just have yeah, one. A bit of moderation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, depending on, depending on his goal, mm. if he's looking to shred Dell, I'm sure he will just, you know, calories are the most important element. If you're looking to drop body fat, yeah, I'm sure he, he would move on to tracking and then reduce those down if mm. he needed to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could, because we're going to uh, sum up, it's going to be a fairly short episode in relation to um, the other ones we've done of two hours. Um, if you could give one piece of advice, I know it's obviously a very general question and we might maybe break it down depending on your answer for someone who is looking to improve their body composition uh, male female doesn't really matter what would be the one overriding factor that either you've seen work best for people or that you would tell people to do that's quite a big question isn't it really you're a um, big man well yeah one piece of advice um Go with SK Coaching. Yeah, go with SK Coaching, I would say. <laughs> but I suppose getting getting some direction, getting a coach, get, having having someone that would be able to help you mm. uh, if you're missing any, any elements of your, your, your training and diet, getting educated, because mm. um, that's what a coach will help you do, is, is hopefully as long as coaching you help educate you as well and the reasons mm. why you're doing things. Yeah, I would, um, I would very much agree with that. I think, again, having known each other for so long I think you've probably seen like I said over the last three to four years that my coaching skill set hopefully you've seen has improved yeah, somewhat yeah, yeah 100% <laughs> um, yeah. and definitely confidence with, with delivery yeah and and, uh, and has my physique my strength my performance and that has literally been the time I've been working with my coach and I think that's actually been the biggest game changer for me okay yes I'm uh, I'm a coach myself, so he educates me probably, well, definitely at a higher level than most would need because I need that to take forward with my clients. But I think having that level of education so that you can take your progress on um, is incredibly key. And actually, one more thing I wanted to ask you about is exit strategies. Um, so a lot of coaches... Um, I see, and unfortunately, the online co online coaching game is completely what's the word when you don't need qualifications? Um, un it's unregulated. Unregulated, um, and some of the app. I'm going to say crap. Absolute dog shit. I see uh, online coaches do, where it's like right, fifteen to twenty thousand steps, twelve hundred calories, and blah blah blah. Why is it so important that? Okay, yes, you can push someone for a very finite period, probably not those levels, but yeah. <laughs> for a very finite period, you can effectively fuck someone up because it's it's so small that motivation will stay high enough to do it, to push you through, and it's such a short time that nothing 
terrible would happen. But when you see this over months and months and months, it's unsustainable, isn't it? It's and um, there you go, and it's if unsustainable. you've got if you've got a family, yeah. You know, if you've got any, if you're, I don't know, if you're a single guy and you've got all the time in the world, um, I think even then you can you just you can get, definitely get and do your steps, can't you? But I think yeah. something like that. I mean, maybe maybe pushing for one or two weeks at high steps really super low calories but i mean you're just going to drain your body that's mm. real kind of uh you're going to start hormonally sort of maybe start sh sort of shutting down if you start going super low calories so so if someone's been doing that how would you reverse them just last point how would you reverse them out of it um i think it's a case of um starting to bring some nutrition back into their life so you'd bring the calories back up Mm -hmm. um, not, I don't know how you would do it. I wouldn't bring it super high straight away. No. Step them back out of it. Um, and just, just gradually bring them back to baseline. Um, so look at what their BMR should be, their baseline multiple should be, work out what their calories should be, and try and sit them at that for a while. Um, get their body healthy, feed the body, nourish the body. Um, and then, yeah, just not spin the wheel completely. Yeah. I think um, you said then you asked, well, you didn't sort of rhetorical rhetorically that's a word you said i don't know how you would do it um but i'd bring them out a bit slowly one thing massively i found i get a lot of clients um from a few gyms where they're known sort of for great results don't get me wrong but tearing people apart well you look at the after the after picture, <laughs> the after the I after mean, the yeah. before and after looks impressive but you look yeah. a year after a year after yeah. the after and they could be back worse than the before couldn't they often often yeah. is the case i've found and um i the, one of the main reasons I don't bring them out of it so quickly is is psychologically. If you have if you've got into this amazing shape and you're you've got a six pack and you look amazing, you might feel like shit, but you look amazing uh, on let's say eleven hundred calories. And I say right, go and eat two thousand and just chill out a bit. They're going to be quite afraid of. I, I've been yeah. there when I was. I think uh, you've got to allow a little bit of. Um, you're not going to be having veins on your lower abs. <laughs> And, and accepting but that's not the way life is I, d I don't think that's, no unless you're on some kind of steroid yeah um i don't think that's a kind of uh a men's health cover is achievable all year round mm. indefinitely i feel not that, if you want any form of life i'd say there's that kind of peaking isn't there for those photo shoots and obviously yeah. you've got the tanning the the pumping up and the unrealistic yeah. kind of the things that happen it's not that's not how someone looks all year round is it no not at all um on that note is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up uh, i think we've covered most things about the sets the reps uh, the yeah. training of hypertrophy and um yeah it's yeah. a perfect perfect position to wrap up so um thank you very much for coming on nice. um thank you guys for listening um the next episode we're gonna have um the next uh, next coach who joined sk coaching uh josh on um luke i was gonna tell i was gonna give his instagram handle which i'm more than happy to do um <laughs> but you might not see very much he's not a massive massive yeah. uh, influencer I think this is why i've joined sk coaching yeah because, <laughs> because he doesn't great on the, uh, yeah, on the socials, socials. Um, um, but if you do want to follow him it's at form.pt as underscore isn't it uh, do you know what i don't even know <laughs> So <laughs> at underscore form.pt. There you go. Something along those lines. Um, so thank you very much for having uh, for joining us, Luke. And uh, on, to, on to the next one. <laughs>